0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by the Sensory Learning Center with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now, there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks.
2: Hello and welcome to our show today. I am Betsy Hicks and my guest today is occupational therapist Jean Herwin, who has over 25 years of experience in gymnastics instruction. Jean developed the big fun method... And it's in basically an incorporation of occupational therapy principles, principles <coughs> with gymnastics instruction for the purpose of improving the quality of life for special needs children. Since founding Big Fun Therapy and Recreational Services in 2001, Jean has presented the topic of special needs children and gymnastics at USA gymnastics conferences across the country. We are very honored to have you on the show. Welcome, Jean.
3: Good morning. Thank you for having me here.
2: We have so much to discuss today, and I have so much admiration for you and your work, and I've just really been enjoying learning about all these different pieces of Big Fun and what Big Fun means. Let's start by talking about, um, what a great name, (laughs) Big Fun. How can anybody just not be happy when they have to work with you or come to a place (laughs) called Big Fun? Talk about great intention. We've done a lot of shows here on intention. and. That's exactly. It. Tell me about the name, and you must just be a big kid at heart.
3: <laughs> so true. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, originally, I, I have to confess, originally I was a musician. And 25 years ago, I was a musician who had a very unique idea with how I wanted my music to be performed. So I created an organization that had a band, acrobats, gymnasts, dancers, theater, theatrical people. And 25 years ago, we were doing all kinds of crazy shows in Los Angeles and San Francisco and all over the West Coast, and we had attained a certain kind of elite notoriety. Elite because we were so eclectic and so weird, (coughs) but... (laughs) It was called Big Fun. And since then, you know, I changed my direction. I said, well, I guess that was lovely, but I have to grow up now. So it turned out that I had gone to occupational therapy school when my daughter was born. I could not be a musician. I couldn't be on the road for four months at a time and be dad. So I made the decision to go back to school at that time. I already had a bachelor's and half of a master's in music from USC. When I went back to school in occupational therapy, my original thought is I had never heard of anything called occupational therapy, and I literally went to the wrong orientation room. I had gone into, expecting to go into the physical therapy orientation, and I went My style, my personage, was not a good fit match for a traditional setting. So I recognized that. that.
2: That's a compliment, actually, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like anyone who doesn't fit into traditional settings.
3: Yeah, but again, you know, if you if you look at, I mean, one of the big things that we do in Big Fun today is we must recognize that even five years ago, the world has radically moved on, and. The world is no longer meant to be teaching certainly typical children, let alone special need children, how to be in the world when the world no longer operates that way. The world today is hurricanes and earthquakes and gang uh, violence and terrorism and political upheaval. And after a while, it just gets to be kind of this ad nauseum litany of craziness. And here you have a child in a classroom now all of that wackiness that the world is today doesn't leave that child in the classroom alone because the child comes out of the classroom the child deals with what happens from other kids in the classroom and this micro world that they live in is absolutely part of the bigger world that we all exist in and it's, just, it's craziness <clears throat> under the best of circumstances So to deal with all of this coming down to a child, Big Fun stands as we've got to get these kids to be in the world, Mm -hmm. to deal with the world. It is a very unsafe place for children with special needs. The autistic child has a very complicated world to step into. And, of course, they would rather submerge, go underground than be in the world. So for me, Big Fun has to be something that <clears throat> motivates demands their attentiveness and challenges them and yeah that's that should be everywhere that these kids go not simply coming to big fun i'm i'm not saying anything that's rocket science here i'm just saying what we believe strongly in big fun we need to get these kids in the world
2: well we need them to have fun and yeah. and a big Part of gymnastics, in my opinion, I think back to when my son was little, and um, I, and I want to I want to have a big talk today, maybe during our second segment, about sensory integration because I think it's a it's something that we have to explain to people and, and the importance of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you do that a lot when you are lobbying on behalf of our children. Um, but and I think back about what he needed to keep him calm, and what he needed was all of the the movement that is incorporated in gymnastics from rocking to balancing to um, submersion into water to that that you I know you do with your some of your um, therapy centers as well too with big fun and and to have all of those different senses met um, gymnastics incorporates all of it yes so um, i guess when, when you're, are you dealing with this big fund deal specifically to autism or is it a lot of different developmental disabilities?
3: We have never said no to any child's uh, issues or needs, meaning, yes, we work with all disabilities, all diagnosis. Um, we have kids in the program that uh, have no vision, have no hearing, uh, have seizures, have had um, no independent means of moving about. They are wheelchair-bound. We get them in the gym. We get them in the pool. And certainly autism is the big one coming at us nowadays. Yet by no means is it the only one. Multiple diagnosis, cerebral palsy, Downs, mental retardation, Prader-Willi, all of the disorders that any child uh, has, they come into the program and the program, Works. We design everything about the program to the individual child. So the
2: a child has its own customized program.
3: Exactly. What we do for all children coming into the program, uh, first what we have uniquely is we have two branches of Big Fun. One branch is our therapy program where you are seen by a licensed therapist for occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, The other branch is our recreation program where you're being seen by a gymnast who was trained by our therapy staff and has to go through a very rigorous uh, training process. And that coach has a very unique handle on sensory integration because they lived it. They didn't have to read about it in a book. They know it from an internal core understanding, which is, again, the best means of getting a teacher to teach this child how to move, how to do what they're doing because they've lived it. So both our therapy and our recreation branch have that training going on with all of our staff and what that affords the child in these environments is an ability to actually position of structure, all of these things come into play because that's what typical i mean,
2: we're gonna we're gonna be taking a break in just a second anyway but but just tell everybody real quickly where where are your locations how many locations do you have and where the base of them most of them are in Southern California correct
3: yes we're currently um, very heavy in Southern California we're in Arizona we're developing sites in Texas oh great we're developing uh, potential sites in New York um, where we are, the best thing to do, I suppose, would be to look us up on the net, bigfungymnastics.com. Big there.
2: Bigfungymnastics.com. Why don't you all take a look at that while we go to break, real quick? We'll be right back in a short time with Gene Herwin. Don't Thank go away.
0: You. Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness.
4: We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me.
5: The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. In the realm of mental health, psychiatry is
1: often misunderstood. On Good Psychiatry is good medicine. With host and forensic psychiatrist Dr. Ron Kennedy Bailey, find out the truth behind the myths, rumors, disparities, and misconceptions about the broad spectrum of mental illness and treatment options. Dr. Bailey educates and informs with truthful, factual, honest, and direct communication of information regarding mental health issues and topics to further enhance the overall medical and legal areas in healthcare for the best information on ADHD, psychopharmacology, forensic, and psychiatric health concerns. Tune into Good Psychiatry is Good Medicine with Dr. Ron Kennedy Bailey every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Raw to radiant will change the way you look at food for the rest of your life. This is not a show about sprouted nuts, salads, or dehydrated foods host Kim Cohen will show you how a raw food diet including raw meat dishes such as wild salmon ceviche provides you with everything you need for a long life of radiant health and vitality tune in every Tuesday at 1pm for Raw to Radiant on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel
0: your life your health, your network you're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness
1: welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy.
2: We are back here with Gene Herwin of Big Fun Therapy and Recreational Services. He's basically, most right now, out of the Southern California area with a location in Arizona, but he is expanding and hopefully, if you're very lucky, you'll have one opening by you very soon. But let's talk about gymnastics in general because um, not everybody has access to you and as much as from what I've been reading and and listening and understanding, you do it so tremendously well, but there are other, at least ways to get some of the benefits that gymnastic offers even in your own local community, and even some ways that you can develop some things in your own home. Um, And I, I also want to talk about sensory integration, and probably... That would probably be the best place to start because before we really understand the need for gymnastics, we need to explain and understand why, what it's like to be in a wor- world where, where sensory is so tremendously distorted when all those feelings are off.
3: Oh, yeah, very good point. <clears throat> um, the autistic mind we know has unique... Um, capacities for tolerating intense or moderate sensory input there of course becomes the issue but the way the brain operates on a typical child the typical child predictably takes information in visually sound wise touch wise sensory wise in terms of how they use and feel their body predictably A typical child can deal with what's coming at them. And if they can't deal with it, they can demonstrate that they are not able to tolerate. They can cry. They can talk. They can show anxiety. The typical child can then be told, here's what's going on. Take it easy. I'll help you. I'll love you. I'll nurture you. The autistic child doesn't have that same capacity to demonstrate predictable use of sensory input. When we know that two twins, one with autism, one typical, in the middle of the Midwest, there's a thunderstorm. Well, the typical child will bolt up out of bed, run into their mom and dad's bedroom, and jump in bed with them. Whereas the autistic child will bolt out of bed, run to the closet, and close the door. That difference right there. One child needs to shut away all of the sensory information, the smell, the touch, the taste, the hearing, the feeling, and remove themselves from that, whereas the typical child needs all of that in, in direct comparison. What happens with that inability to process? It overwhelms the child. On the other side of it, <clears throat> we have kids that pick up, the autistic mind can pick up an incredible array of um sounds and feelings and different sensory information that the typical child does not have a need to attend to, whereas the autistic mind cannot help but attend to it and attend to it in a way that it all comes at them with the same intensity, sound, vision, touch, taste. All of it comes at them, and they're not able to kind of filter out what is or isn't important at the moment. When you take the autistic child into a professional gymnastic facility right off the bat, the moment the child comes into the room, it can be overwhelming. A big room, lots of children running around, activity, visual, sound, all of it can put that child into a defensive position. And our job then is to recognize, okay, how does this child process that type of sensory input? When we get to that child on the floor, in the environment, we know that the ability for the human brain to tolerate changes in head position, changes in your body position, how the vision and how your touch work together. That's all part of the vestibular system, the inner ear mechanisms. And what happens from gymnastics if you consider what gymnastics is, it is the art form of defying gravity. Yes. Everything we do in gymnastics is meant to keep us off of the planet Earth for as long as possible to do some kind of extremely complex movement and then to land and continue. That takes great rehearsal and, and years of time and precious rehearsal, rehearsal, rehearsal. So the benefits that gymnastics offers the typical child, they have the same benefits for the special needs child. But what we have to do is come at at the special needs child, the autistic child, knowing right off the bat what that child's capacity is. So we take the idea of sensory integration into a gym facility. We've known for decades that developmental pediatricians have said, well, get the child into a gym class because it will be helpful for them. Well, why? Because... The child who has an inability to tolerate intense sensory input, more often than not, it's pretty, pretty restricted as to what type of sensory input they can tolerate, we know quickly, and what they can't tolerate, we also will know quickly. Gravity is one of the biggest kickers for sensory integration because gravity affects While we're sitting in a chair, your head is being held up. You don't consciously think, keep your head up, keep your head up. The body's autonomic system does that for us.
2: And that's part of the vestibular sense,
3: correct? Yes, exactly. But it has an effect on developing tone, strength, endurance. It also has an effect on when you reach for something in front of you, what side of the brain controls that motion because we know that the right side of the brain controls the left side of the body and vice versa. Well, what happens when your hands are way up to the sides of your body, it's not a problem. Your brain knows very clearly where your hands are, but the closer you come to the middle of your body, all of a sudden both sides of the brain begin to vie for what's controlling that motion. How do you accomplish it? And the moment you cross the middle of your brain to the other across the middle of your body to the other side, all of a sudden the brain has to reroute all kinds of complexities go on and we accomplish this the child with autism <clears throat> does not necessarily have that ability at midline to coordinate both hemispheres of the brain effectively to create fluid motion easy motion so we have to get a good handle on okay what's going on with this child and why bring him into a gym <clears throat> once we <clears throat> excuse me once we get a good observation and baseline on this child, <clears throat> we can then step back and say, okay, sensorily, the child loves being on a trampoline. Okay, well, why? Primarily because their sensory system is able to tolerate bouncing. Now, a trampoline, there are lots of different types of trampolines, but every gymnastic facility in the, in the United States has at least one, if not several, trampolines available. The child gets onto a trampoline and all of a sudden they're bouncing. Now aside from the motoric issues, they're bouncing on a trampoline and it's motivating and it's exciting and it's challenging and it's all those things that the typical child experiences. So does our children experience the same thing. So getting them on the trampoline, we then start looking at, okay, this child happens to be bouncing all over the trampoline, yet they look a little bit fearful and a little bit out of control. Well, why? Well, actually, it's quite simple. By example, the child that's bouncing all over that trampoline, either whether it's a circular trampoline or a large rectangular trampoline, they seem to have difficulty getting into the middle of the trampoline. Well, the trampoline doesn't actively bounce them away from the middle, it's simply a question of gravity. Their greatest body mass, leaning in one direction even slightly, will make the trampoline propel your body in that direction. Well, then all of a sudden they're going there, but they don't want to, and they switch their body back, and then they go back, then they go sideways, and after a while it's like a bumper pull. The point here is that their trunk is unstable, and they're trying desperately to grasp stability while bouncing on an unstable surface. What we look at that is, and we go instantly, okay, I know exactly what's going on. The child's trunk is unstable, which means that they have no sense of control, which means we must develop trunk stability and afford the child a sense of control. To do that, we have to recognize their inability to process proprioception, intense Input at the joints and the muscular level, but that informs their bodies as to where their bodies are in space during dynamic motion. Dynamic motion is movement within movement. When you're running, your arms are pumping. That's movement within movement. When you're on trampoline, you're constantly adjusting on a microsecond process where your body is in space as it's being propelled. Your head has to maintain a vertical position or your head dips down, and as a result, you'll go in that direction on trampoline. All these things are getting taken into account very quickly when the child is on trampoline, and you begin to say, okay, the child doesn't have an ability to use their arms for balance, or establishing a writing reflex or establishing that if they're falling, that they reach their hands out to avoid injury. All of these things give us a better idea right away of how does the child interpret and process and create functional response from sensory input. So by that as an example, we can take what the gymnastic facility affords the kid, which is incredible potential, and work the child all around the gym and explore sensorially what each piece of equipment can afford the child to address trunk stability, let's say. Now, without question, if we're looking at an issue of trunk stability or instability, there are only 10,000 things we have available to choose to do in a gymnastic facility that addresses that. The entire art form of gymnastics has to have thousands of ways of working that particular issue. But more importantly, <clears throat> yes, we know that we have lots of things to do with that, but the things that we do for a four-year-old child are very different than the things we do for a 10-year-old child.
2: Okay, we'll talk about some of those different ways. We'll be right back. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with Gene Herwin.
0: a fresh look at today's health voice america health and
4: wellness we had a wonderful experience in our trip to the sensory learning institute and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies and we brought home a child who was vastly different we brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me
5: the goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory and vestibular systems with light sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com.
0: Are you willing to be taught and invest a few minutes each week to learn principles that will ensure your success and fulfillment? Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to It's Easier Done Than Said on the Voice America Women's Channel.
2: You've got to believe. Listen up. Conceive Magazine is now on the air, live, and on demand on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Hosted by Kim Han, founder of Conceive Magazine. Conceive on Air offers comfort and emotional support to women contemplating starting or expanding their family by consulting noted professional experts and by sharing the insights and experiences of others. Kim wants to share her experiences to educate and empower women. Conceive On Air is the only complete resource destination that inspires and informs future moms about their fertility on the journey to parenthood. Conceive On Air with Kim Hahn, celebrating the creation of families. back, and we're having big fun with Jean Herwin talking about big fun therapy and recreation and the use of gymnastics in working with autism. Um, Jean's been telling us a little bit about sensory integration and understanding vestibular and proprioceptive, two very under-understood <laughs> um, parts of our senses that we have to understand is kind of where we are in space and how our, all of our joints compress and work all together. And, Gene, you were just starting to touch into um, the differences in, in age and the needs of the different kids that come to, to your centers.
3: Yeah. Uh, as I was saying, a five-year-old child with autism presents pretty, pretty typically in that they're very floppy. Their trunk is unstable. Their shoulder and scap are equally as unstable. Hence, the further down the arm you go to the fingers, Of course, it will be just as unstable. So these are predictable things that we look for right away when we do an assessment on each of the kids. But the end result is, okay, we've got a child that is five years old, and what he is able to deal with, what he is able to accomplish successfully, is very different than what a 10-year-old child can do and deal with and accomplish. And again, very different from what a 15-year-old child is able to deal with and accomplish. So... What is nice about professional gymnastic facilities as compared to a typical traditional clinical situation, first of all, gymnastic facilities are big. They must be to bring in all that type of equipment and use it and put it up appropriately. A five-year-old child does fantastically in a gymnastic facility, especially a kid, because the equipment is meant to take all of the beating that a 5-year-old child can deliver to it. But it can also take that beating that a 10-year-old child can deliver to it, as well as a 15-year-old child, as well as me, an adult. The point that we recognize is that these gyms are, without question, a more appropriate scenario for children with autism, simply because it affords them not simply a maximal place where they're too They're okay for the equipment. Then by the time they're six, they're too big for the equipment, and they have been doing the same thing in that small space, and they plateau. That will never happen in a gymnastic facility with our kids because there's always so much more we can do. There's never a point where we'll say, "Mom, that you know, I'm going to discharge your child because there's nothing else we we can do for your child." That doesn't happen with us. There is always. So much more we can do. I mean, considering that our kids are operating in the gym, at the same time team kids are operating in the gym, and as a result, not only does it give the child a sense of, I'd like to try what they're doing, but it also levels the playing field between the special need child and the typical child. We work right there with them. We do... Every single thing that they do, we just do it in a way that our kids can access it. But it levels the playing field. Typical kids in the gym have meltdowns every workout. Our kids have meltdowns, so it's kind of like, okay, who's having <laughs> a meltdown now? Okay,
2: back
3: your socks off. Let's get going. Let's get back to it.
2: Do the kids that you work with, it was a big fun piece. Are you usually incorporated within a gym that's also working with typical um, children as well? <laughs>
3: yeah. In other words, we only go into big professional facilities that, uh, several of them here in Southern California are Olympic training centers. Sure. And what that does is it has the highest level of equipment and potentials and professional um, maintenance of all this this type of equipment. And, yeah, we are in the gym working with our kids. We start usually at like 8 a.m. every day in all the gyms working with our kids. The typical programs boot up about 3, 3 3.30 when school lets out and all of a sudden the gym at 3.30 goes from being completely empty to being chaos and a madhouse, right? which happens to be exactly perfect for our kids. It's exactly what we want because the classroom can be overwhelming. The playground can be overwhelming. The gym can be overwhelming. If we want our kids to deal with the world as it is, this is a perfect microcosm of exactly what their world already exists as. And if we have a child that has a difficulty maintaining attention and focus, our job is amidst all this chaos to demand their attention and focus. Pay attention to what's going on, and we move forward. If you don't pay attention, something can happen. What? What? You could fall. Pay attention. Be in the moment. So we're constantly working on what we call working memory as compared to active memory. We want the child present in the moment, able to deal with what's coming at them. And the expectations, as I said before, are identical to what a typical child does. We do not drop our expectations of this child simply because they're autistic. There's nothing unusual about the autistic child. They don't have any.
2: There that don't have the luxury of having somebody like you nearby. Now, um, when my son was young and had extreme <coughs> sensory dysfunction, his, his needs were just tremendous. I mean, we we had a swing in our house, we had a swing outside of our house. I still have a swing in my house and outside of my house. And he's 14 years old. I have a trampoline. I've always had a trampoline for him. Mm-hmm. One in his room. Uh, you know, we uh, he always had things that he could rock on. We we had he did his all his speech therapy on platform swings. I mean, it was sensory has always been his world, world. Mm-hmm. And the one place that would make him happy, no matter how difficult his day was, the one place that would make him happy was our local gym. Mm-hmm. And um, they did not have occupational therapists that worked there. They didn't have anybody who probably even truly understood occupational therapy. Um, but I just what I did is I just found a a girl who loved joey and um i took him i did take him there when they were slow because she had nothing else to do because it was a quiet time for her and i just paid her you know twenty dollars out of my pocket for an hour and joey could just do whatever he wanted to do for an hour and it was one of the greatest therapy sessions ever my my question to you is is there a lot of danger if if you can't get somebody who's really into OT just to get a gymnastic instructor who is willing to work with your child? Is there any danger in that? Uh,
3: A Good question. Um, Given all the givens, what we do know is most gyms throughout the country will have kids with special needs come into the program, but they do not have a conscious desire to bring these kids in and really offer a specific program for them. So as a result, it's kind of like a garbage can class or one of their coaches who's brand new to the staff doesn't have any real expertise in gymnastics and is just looking for hours. Yeah, you go take this kid and just keep him happy for a while. Well, thank you very much. You have to do exactly what you've already laid out. You have to seek out a gym that will allow these kids to come in, number one. Then you've got to find somebody in that gym staff that will willingly... Appreciate your child and begin to attempt working with them. So, <clears throat> one of the problems that we've found over this kind of scenario over the years has been that the gym owners themselves get a lot of flack because that most gyms offer group classes. Big Fun does not do groups. We do almost exclusively one-on-one. Wow. And that difference allows the learning curve to occur quickly and with precision. In a regular gymnastic class that has an autistic child in it, what usually happens is this. We've got six kids, six boys in the, the grouping. One boy is autistic, even if he's high-functioning. That one boy will demand so much extra attention from a novice coach who doesn't have a clue about what this child's needs are right. that it results in the other five boys doing a lot of nothing, yeah. Those five parents will come to the gym and they'll say, you know, I really love what you're doing with this one child. It's great, but I'm taking my kid out of here because after six weeks, the kids had no time with the coach because they're always playing with that one kid. So good luck, toodaloo. As a result, the gyms say, you know, we can't have that, and we really wish you the best of luck and toodaloo to you. So what happens when we first started Big Fun was we recognize that that just doesn't cut it. It winds up making what should be a great experience into a mess. Teaching the teachers how to work gymnastics with special needs kids is what I've been doing with USAG for a number of years. But the end result is you're doing exactly, or you've done exactly what parents all over the country have called me about. You find a gym locally, and there are literally uh, somewhere in your immediate community, there's a gym that is there And you have to speak with them to say, do you have a program? More often than not, they'll say, yeah, you can bring your child in. We have uh, a person who works with these kids. Great. You test it out. Does this person get my child? And there's where a lot of the the mud starts to come up. Whereas if the gym is invested in these kids, then you may have a good chance at having a good programming for your child. If the gym is not, it's really catches catch catch we recognize, certainly with Big Fun, is that that's not the way to go about it. We must attend to these children. I feel strongly that these kids have a right to be in the gym, and just like typical kids, they have a right to have teaching and structure that is exactly appropriate. Not kind of close, but absolutely appropriate for the special needs child. And if it does, the program is rocking. And if it's does not.
2: And, and Gina, sorry to interrupt because we're going to be going to break in another second, but I just I wanted to say when you find somebody, and if, and if you have to do a private class, because it's still cheaper than a lot of other therapies mm-hmm. that are out there, even if you're paying for a private class, I actually ended up having it worked into my IEP. Right. So that the, he left school early and immediately went to the gym and had it as part of his IEP, and we had it done through the school. Yeah. So we're going to take another break. We'll be back for our last segment with, with Dean Hurwin. Don't go away.
0: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me.
5: The goal and focus of the Sensory Learning Program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific
1: Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celeste Ranese's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. We are back with Gene Herwin talking about Big Fun, which is um, his wonderful organizations that work with gy- gymnastics for children with autism and uh, other disabilities similar to that. Um, uh, uh, Gene, one sh- thing I always like to do in my show is I-, I want to make give everybody some good practical information for no matter where they live. And we've talked a little bit about what they could do with the local gym in their area, but I'd like to talk a little bit about what they can bring into their home for their child. To help them deal with so much of the sensory pieces that we we've been speaking of, um, I, I'm a big fan of swings. And can you talk a little bit about some of the some of the home equipment that you can get?
3: Uh, sure. Uh, the issue of sensory stuff for the home. <clears throat> I'm sure everyone is familiar that trampolines are very nice, and they're they're great tools to have in the home because they have allow the child to self-modulate. Swings, same thing. First off, if you aren't aware of it already, one of the best things that I tell my families, particularly with a kid that's just you know a motor monster and unable to get into the classroom in the morning and regulate, organize, is Get that child before you take them to school, get them on the swing if you have it, get them on the trampoline, get them to do whatever we can get them to do in the home before to organize, to self-regulate, to bring their, boot up the computer, let them connect to their bodies so that The most difficult thing that they have when they get into the classroom is they have to do what they have to sit down. Okay. That's one of the hardest things that our kids have to deal with, sitting down. Being attentive to what is being said to them, that's a difficult task. So <clears throat> if we can get them organized even before they're at the school, that task is far more doable for our kids. So. Whether it's a swing or a dizzy disc or a trampoline or a mini tramp or a you know a rocking chair a rocking chair oh but,
2: my you know Jean, I used to when Joey was little we had to, we had a big old big lazy boys the real strong ones. yeah. We had it bolted to the floor, and we would go through a pair of springs about every one to two months. The right. lazy boy guy said he'd never seen yeah. it like it. And he saw the size of Joe, and he's like, how can that little kid break these springs? And I said, it's, that's, that's his world. I mean, And if it weren't for that rocking, I couldn't have gotten him on the bus
3: in the morning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's how smart that child is. He knows intuitively what he needs. That's what, one of the best things that we have to recognize of these kids is they are very bright. The diagnosis traps their abilities to demonstrate their brightness on demand, but that doesn't mean they are not extremely bright. So the ability for that child to say, this is what I need to do to organize. We have come up with big fun is that we call that feeding the need. You feed that need. You cram it down the kid's throat so that they go, okay, I'm now organized. Like the balloon that's being blown up, that's that child's sensory craving and sensory, uh, what we call junkies. They are just sensory junkies needing more and more and more and more to organize and regulate.
2: Dean, tell me about balance beams because. Um, that was another thing when Joey was little. One of his favorite things to do was to you know, get on counters or banisters that right. were thin and kind of walk them. What, what, does that do, what does that do for the kids?
3: Um, what he's really doing is he's motor planning, and he's utilizing all of the sensory input to create an action plan. Just walking, just climbing, just feeling his body. As compared to whether it's a beam or what we use in Big Fun, or giant ladder setups that we have constructed for us, the idea is that he's closing the gravity loop with his hands, his feet, his trunk. He's using his body in novel ways. He may get to a point where he does the same route, the same thing, but what he's doing is he's utilizing all of the body simultaneously. So that creates mastery. And mastery creates self-esteem, self-confidence. Look what I can do. I can do this, and I can I can do this, and then I can do this, and look what I'm doing. I'm sequencing, and I'm doing this to this to this. While he's not aware of that, that's what's occurring. Again, a demonstration of how creative, how bright the child is. What you're looking at in the longer picture, the bigger picture, is when we get a kid on the playground and we have playground structures, The structures that we see all over Southern California, you may have them in the open playgrounds, are these big uh, steel and concrete structures that are very stable. With our kids, they're very exciting to be on for about 10 minutes, and then they're static. There's nothing else novel about them. So typical kids will get on there, they'll get bored. Our kids will get on and get bored. So our kids are seeking new input, the novelty of it. And once our kids get onto that novelty and buy into other kids are doing it, it becomes a great social prospect. The child at the playground, the school playground, there are usually some kind of bars. Now the boys gravitate to the bars because they can socialize while moving. Mm -hmm. Sounds like speech therapy, doesn't it? And our kids, the ones that have very low trunk, Control very low tone, they look at that you know, all that action on those bars and beams, and they 're thinking to themselves, "I really like to do that yet i 'm not stupid, I can't do that, and I 'll kill myself, so no i 'm not going to. So they exclude themselves from the peer play. Well, the truth is, what we want is just the opposite. We want them in the peer play, so what we do, certainly in big fun, is we get those kids on those beams, those bars, those ladders, those novelty stuff, and we rehearse them while they're working, and we chit-chat with them. The point to there is it gives them the rehearsal of what they want to do with their peers on the playground. So all of it kind of puts itself into, this is what children do. Sure. Getting them on these kind of uh, beams and bars and whatnot is exactly what kids gravitate to because, again, as I said, it's a social medium as well.
2: Gene, a lot of parents, and and I'm not one of them, um, are always very, very concerned about safety and and we don't, we literally have two minutes left before the end of the show so we have to touch on this very, very quickly, but um, I always found that Joey never hurt himself because he didn't tighten himself when he fell, he didn't. He didn't expect to fall. He didn't expect to hurt himself. And, and, and so he, he never got hurt. And he did some wacky things, let me tell you. So, um, what do you think about that?
3: Well, actually, I, I would tend to believe that Joey has very low registration of pain because okay. we've got lots of kids that come in and their inability to actually uh, interpret what pain is. Maybe because their sensory input doesn't connect in that same way that typical well, kids do.
2: I think a lot of them are in pain 24 hours a day. Yeah. They don't, they don't even know what good feels like, and so it's just one more kind of pain to them. It, we,
3: exactly. We, it's we, one more thing to endure.
2: We have to close. I'm sorry, Gene. I know we could just keep going, but we have to end this today. I want to make sure everybody gets your website. What is your website?
3: It is www.bigfungymnastics.com. Oh,
2: what a great, great organization! And we're gonna um, please go and visit them, and, and you know, just lobby as much as you can to get one near you. Next week we are going to have Mark Pierce, who has a CD on how to to play for your children, how to take a shower and brush their teeth. And we have the wonderful Kathy Bollinger returning to the show to talk about her CD, My Turn, Your Turn, which is social stories and talking music towards that. Thank you, Mr. Gene Herwin. Thank you. I appreciate your time today, and uh, thank you for everybody who's been visiting with us. We'll all talk to you next week. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye. The Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One A Conversation of Hope To contact Betsy or get more information visit AutismOne.org Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One A Conversation of Hope with Betsy Hicks